Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester's Red podcast for the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Dan O'Toole. Hello. Keeping your place in the starting lineup today, Dan, you were here last week as well and retained. It's nice to have you back. And Charlotte? Hi, I'm back. Yeah, it's nice to see you. I mean, Thanks. I'm not sure the listeners would know you were gone, but... Oh, charming. Where have you been? What have you done? Um, I went away to Italy for my birthday and then went on holiday to Cambodia. Tough life, isn't it, being a journalist? I know, and now I'm back here. And yeah. off, you might be the last you hear of me for a while because I'm off to France for the Women's World Cup, but we're not here to talk about that, are we? We're not talk- here to talk about We're here to talk about the shock news. An even bigger shock, shock than Sharif being kicked out of Love Island. Oh, we can't go United have actually signed a player. Well, nearly. Nearly. Agreed in principle for, oh, for Daniel James. Good progress for United to actually complete, well, almost complete the deal. Dan was waiting for it to, to go through. It could be any time now, really. But uh, what, what was your initial reaction to the deal? I thought it was the first piece of evidence that Solskjaer's plan is coming to fruition. He wants young players, don't he? Young, hungry British players. Uh, I think it's a statement of intent. I think yeah, I could probably expect to see more players of his profile coming in this summer. Um, so you would say he's Solskjaer's type on paper, I guess, wouldn't you? <laughs> you could say that in another Love Island reference. You could, yes. Um, we'll, we'll tick him off early doors. We'll we'll get him done. Was yeah. it Love Island uh, bingo? Yeah, it is what it is, Charlotte. It's just... <laughs> Yes. I hope whoever's listening to this knows Love Island, otherwise we've isolated a lot of the audience already, but but it's fine. So yeah, maybe that's the end of the signing Galacticos era at United. Maybe, maybe this signing is the beginning of a uh, you know a strategy whereby the team is put first, how players are going to be moulded into fitting into Solskjaer's system, yeah, which is a, a nice change. I kind of get that because he's had to come in and things haven't been working since Ferguson left and you've had managers that have come in and they've stuck to the plans that have been in place previously and clearly it's not worked if you look at all the transfer windows that United have gone through since then and the players that they've signed and where they are in the league and how they've not won the league since Ferguson left but I think he's got to be careful in that you still need leaders and proven winners in that team and I admire the fact that he wants to bring in hungry young British talent but I feel like it needs to be a balance. I think they're still going to have to go out in this window and spend a lot of money on maybe not um, a massive marquee signing like Gareth Bale, who divides a lot of opinion, but... Divides a lot of opinion in the office as well over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but that's... And you can see, there, because there is a strong argument as to take a punt on him, if, if Real Madrid want to get rid of him on the cheap and United still want a winger, then fair, there's arguments to taking a punt on him, but there are strong arguments why he's the t- exactly the type of player that United would have targeted in the past and shouldn't be targeting in this window, which is why they've gone and signed Daniel James. But I still believe that they need to spend big, big, big money on somebody that's going to come in and totally transform the dressing room. You mentioned before we get on to maybe names for that position, about the marquee signings. Do you think that is down to the the players they've recruited or the actual management and how they've used them? Because it might be easy in hindsight to see Di Maria, Falcao, Sanchez. These aren't players that worked out, but at the time, there weren't many United fans complaining about about them arriving. Well, you look at the the big names United have bought and you probably start off with Mata. Yeah. with um, when Moyes was there where was he going to fit into a David Moyes team I don't think you know? he's been a disastrous he's not been a disaster, disastrous but his signing. position is, he's a number 10 isn't he United have never, never had a system they should in which from, number 10 would be comfortable Kigawa was before him wasn't he and yeah. that never worked out because he wasn't a bad player he just didn't fit 
I guess the position. I guess you would say you go forward from there. Di Maria, did United do the homework on him enough to know that he wouldn't fancy in England? Well, no, but they knew that they'd sell shirts, and that's that's. I feel like that's been the problem. It's the pound signs that come into the. They're like we've heard of him, and I know I know that sounds awful, but you've got businessmen in charge. They're not football men, so if they come to you with the name of someone who's playing for a German side that no one watches week in week out, who's meant to be the next big thing. And they're like, sorry, who's that? How are we going to market this person? Or we've got Di Maria. Oh yeah, we've heard of him. I'm not saying it's been the business has been done that naively, but you can see how they've ended up in the situation they've been in the past. I guess that's true. Yeah. If, if your mum's not heard of them, don't go near them. That was the, the sort of motto. <laughs> well, for... it sort of looks like that though, yeah. doesn't it? Because <laughs> it's like square pegs, round holes. It's all right, big name, bring them in. Yeah. So you think it is down to bad recruitment then and you think this, this is maybe signs that United are starting to resolve that issue well yeah did they need did they need those players if you went back to those transfer windows and looked at where United needed to boost the squad not off the top of my head do I know in that transfer window was that the biggest priority for United but if it'd be interesting to go back and see those players that they bought the big names should that have been a priority for them in that season if they'd maybe pr- prioritised centre back or do you know if you've got if you go through the transfer window like that have they made the priorities the ones that they want by the big names that were available yeah I guess that argument on Dan James works either way because it is someone who's who's not going to be the shirt seller but United needed a centre back and they bought another left winger someone who's young it's easy to see either could be very good could be a bit of maybe uh, an unknown quantity but it wasn't Wilfred Zaha, Nick Powell, these sort of players, aren't they? Maybe in a similar mould to, to Daniel James. Or what would you make of him so far, Daniel? We've, I mean, the thing is, most people don't actually have a clue what he's like. We've, if, we've, if we've all seen honest, the clips. You've seen, you've probably seen the FA Cup game uh, yeah. against City. And he's still out a mile there. He's lightning quick. Uh, but I think you know the wider issue is I think Solskjaer's looking to sort of build a team and build an environment where stars are sort of you know fostered stars are born rather than you know bringing in ready-made big names because you know I think I think like the history of United has always been that stars stars have been made at United rather than brought in and that's probably you know they've veered away from that in recent years because of you know the need to sell shirts the need to sort of disguise the fact that they've been poor on the pitch by you know generating interest in other ways uh, so I think it'll be interesting to see how he fits in I don't know if he'll be a, you know if he'd go into the team straight away because you look at the, the players on that side of the pitch who he's got to compete with you've got you know Sanchez if he stays you've got Martial you've seen uh, Rashford play out there so you know he'll have a fight in his hands but that's healthy competition isn't it so he can play right wing as well though can't he can play right wing not usually used to it though he played a bit there for Wales on Saturday it feels like about, that's but... the situation with a lot of you know his left wingers they're all left wingers that's what I mean, mean... But, and, but don't worry because we can shunt them out to the right and yeah. try and that's what it seems with Dan James again because the fact that he is right footed which is maybe more of an advantage but Rashford could play on the right Sanchez could play on the right Marshall could play on the right None yeah. of them do, and none of them are good when they play there. So having a player who might be able to play in that position sounds good on paper, but the reality is United again. God, that was another Love Island reference. It's really deep into my mind, isn't it? But I guess the problem is United still haven't bought a specialist player to solve a key problem. No, they haven't. But I feel like a lot of last season we spoke about how Martial, if he want, or Rashford, if he really wanted, when there was all that discussion about should he leave, should he stay, was all that discussion about he's still really young, he could train really hard and he could turn himself into the right winger that United haven't got and that United really need and then he'd be nailed on starter for every single game. 
And I suppose in the same way, you could say the same to Daniel James, given he's not even been put into the United team at the minute. We don't know what Solskjaer's going to say to him when he starts. He could say, yeah, we know you prefer to play on the left, but looking at, at where you're going to get your most game time, it's going to be on the right. And then maybe maybe he'll do that. And I think the exciting thing is he's a pacey player. Delo, if you're putting him at right back, he's quick as well. That link-up play down the right fast is something that United have been missing when they've had Antonio Valencia at the back. Are you all right, Ash? No, producer's dying slowly in the corner here, but he's got to let him suffer in. Well, we've got to say suffer in silence, but he's probably ruined the whole podcast. Although many listeners would say that we're the reason it's been ruined, but who knows about that? Uh, so yeah, Dan James, we'll have to wait and see. Of course, we're recording this on Tuesday. He'll play for Wales probably tonight against Hungary, but or on the talk of transfers which other players do you think United will, will make a move for now we've heard the Harry Maguire's of interest Aaron Wan-Bissaka they've had a bid rejected do you think these two players are maybe more so in the shape of what United actually need this summer Dan? Well, I think they're, they're desperately a, a, a centre-back you know a young centre-back um, they've, they've not really sorted that position out in the post-Ferguson era whatsoever have they? They've, ne- they've never had a you know a, a solid pairing in the you know since uh, Vidic and Ferdinand um, they've brought in Bailly they've brought in Lindelof they've never really struck it off together it, will they have in the future you don't know Bailly wants to stay doesn't he but erratic can, can you can he be trusted as United centre back going forward probably probably not if you're being honest Lindelof, Lindelof had a very good season last season so who do you bring in to partner him how do you bring the get the best out of him? You probably need someone physical next to him, doesn't he? Because you know he's a good he's a good ball playing centre back, but is he you know has he got the stature? Uh, so that's where Harry Maguire I think could fit in nicely to complement yeah. Lindelof. I think United tried to well there was talk of him, talk of United being interested last season, wasn't there? I think it was quite Asian based. Yeah, I think and, and they Leicester priced United out of the market completely after that mm. World Cup. But would you rather um, Harry Maguire for eighty mil? Or Koulibaly for 90. I know nothing about Koulibaly. I've only ever watched Koulibaly play for Napoli and he was awful against Arsenal. And I don't remember him playing well at the World Cup last summer. When, I know he's playing for Senegal, so you're not expecting much, but they were an easy group. Good player though, Harry Maguire. Uh, first time I saw him was in the Youth Cup final of 2011 when he was playing against Pogba and Lingard. And the two players who stood out on the pitch that night with Pogba being a giant and Harry Maguire who's matched him. Uh, and then you look at his career since, you know, he's, he's seen a lot, hasn't he? Whole... Yeah. Wigan on loan he's earned his stripes and I think United do need players who've earned the stripes so if United were to sign Maguire would, do you both think he would straight away become the best centre-back at the club because it seems at the moment that everyone's the general consensus I think is that Lindelof's top yeah mm. Lindelof's top so he'd go in where do you think Lindelof. Maguire would rank though? do you think he's a better defender than Lindelof or I think he's been on top of his game for longer than Lindelof has which is why it's difficult to to compare yeah. the two but He'd be up there with him, wouldn't he? It'd be really interesting, like Dan just said, United haven't had a that solid centre-back pairing for years. So I, if they can get that back, be it with Maguire alongside Lindelof, then that's the foundations to building a good team again. He's, yeah. he's used to taking responsibility as well. When he was at Sheffield United when he was younger, 18, 19, 20, he was you know, the focal point of that team almost with his driving runs forward. Uh, so I think you, you'd probably look at him as someone with the character... And the he's requisite sort, character the sort too. of player that like Solskjaer would want because he's not the I know like Lingard and Pogba they come, he seems for, grounded. They come in for a lot of stick don't not they flash. yeah their hair colour that personally doesn't bother me but no nonsense, to a, a lot guess, of people it, it does and you can see that Solskjaer's more of a traditional 
this is what we do, this is how we do it, sort of guy. So you'd like to think, well, he would fit that mould, wouldn't he? We shall see. We shall see. see if he comes in or not. We'll talk more transfers after the break, but right now we're going to have a little teaser question for, I think, all of us, because there's no answer on the paper today, so I'm quite worried about this. We've spoken about Dan James, we've spoken about Harry Maguire, two players who have earned their stripes playing in the lower leagues as well, but who was the last player United signed from a football league club? We'll have our answers after this short break. Hello and welcome back to the Manchester's Red podcast. Just before the break, we left you with a teaser question. Who was the last player Manchester United signed from a football league club? We'll start off just with an initial guess and then we can give you a clue and see where we go from there. Anyone got an initial initial poke in the dark? Uh, I'm going to go with Wilfred Zaha. Wilfred Zaha would make sense. Got no idea. No idea? Not got hazard a guess? Not today. No. This features really needs input from both of you to work. It's fine. You you can have input. Okay, that's fine. It's not Wilfred Zaha. Lee Grant from relegated Stoke City. See, Ash, Ash has said Lee Grant. Yeah. But I don't think it's right. Why not? Because Stoke were relegated. So he wasn't technically a, a, cha- a championship player. It's all to do with the crossover between seasons, isn't it? Either way, it's a bad question. We've got our answer. We'll move on. So before the break, we were talking about the prospect of Harry Maguire joining United. Um, we've talked about Daniel James joining already, but which position do you think United need to get secured next? What, what's their priority now? Is it still centre-back for you, for you both then? Yeah. Okay, great so. for that. No. Yeah, move on. <laughs> I would say centre-back, yes, because you saw Mourinho and then he would play to hold in midfield because he didn't trust what was behind yeah. him. And if you can't trust what's behind them, then your creative players aren't going to have the licence to do their thing. And, and the foundations of a good attacking side are built on having a solid defence that can, that can be trusted. I'm sorry. Um, so United haven't had that for, for years and years and years. So like you say, the likes of Pogba is having to overcompensate for the fact that no one's trusting the centre-back pairing that's been picked for that game, which is absolutely ridiculous. So get the centre-back pairings right, get the defensive foundations right, and they should be able to build from that. Yeah, I guess like you said, it's not just a a signing which will solidify their defence, but it'll give Pogba the licence to attack. And I guess, do you think that Pogba's game last season was was suffering from the fact that he had to drop back and do more defensive work than he would have liked to. Do you think that's one of the, one of the many reasons maybe I think why? he's admitted today in his interview in the Times that he is not the best uh, defensive-minded midfielder. Um, so should he be put in a position full stop whereby that's required from him? Probably not. I don't know if I'm having that though because fair enough if that's not his favourite position to play in but at times Mourinho did afford him the licence to go forward and he played him on the left hand side of midfield which is apparently his favourite position and he still didn't perform and I was I feel like this has just been something we've gone over and over and over and over and over again and it's like oh Pogba's playing too deep if he was given more freedom like he's given for France look how he impresses for France well he I'm not having that in the last since he's joined that he hasn't been given that freedom at times. But has he been given a run of games with the freedom? Because you're not going to perform on a one-off. Under Mourinho, it was. He's supposed to be one of the best players in the world. You are, but even no matter how good you are, you need a run of games to develop a rhythm, don't you? And how many times was he given two, three games on the bounce by Mourinho with that licence? It was always a one-off because Mourinho would always sort of base his game plan around the opposition, wouldn't he? So yeah. one week you'd be playing Burnley at home, next minute it'd be Chelsea away and he's never going to get that. So I'd like to see him, you know, with integrated into a side whereby that will be his role against whoever I'd like to see it just because it would end all discussion ever 
over. And then you got your if, answer. If he was played in this in his dream role, how he would be the key for United being successful. So please play him there next season so it can just end all discussion of this <laughs> ever again. But in order for Pogba to play in this attacking role, he's going to have to have that sort of midfield anchor behind him. Do you think United have players at their disposal now that can, can form a midfield which should allow Pogba to do that? Cause we've got McTonnell, got Fred, got Pereira, got Matic. Do you think United do need to sign a new central midfielder that, yeah. who specialises in defending? Or, or, or what type of midfielder do you think they need to sign? I think a part of the problem is they signed Fred last summer and we haven't really seen... I found something that I wrote last summer about how Fred could be the key to unlocking Paul Pogba's attacking potential. Yeah, and then you look in a year on, and it's like, what did we, what did we glean from United signing Fred? Well, not too much. I know he wasn't given that many opportunities. He made mistakes at the beginning. Mourinho hooked him. Then he wouldn't play for ages. But it's hard to know when you don't know how they're all going to fit in the system. Obviously, Herrera's gone. Matic is still going to be there. You'd be a regular starter. So then you've got Matic and Pogba. Who's your third man? All those you just mentioned are then fighting for for the third place in midfield. So that's the argument. Do you think they do need a new central midfielder? I mean, they've already got so many. I mean, I guess that's the problem with United in general. They've got such a bulky squad. You need a specialist, don't you? In the three in midfield, you need a a Makaleli or a Kante. Like you look at City's... Someone did the running for you. City are trying to find one. They've been trying to find one for 18 months, haven't they, to replace Fernandinho. Uh, they had reservations about Jorginho, um, about his, you know, his he, he broke the line too quickly. So, you know, United need to look at a specific sort of player rather than just, you know, square peg round holes. Um, McTominay, for me, he's not a specialist. He's a squad player. What do you think McTominay's best, yeah. best role is? Is it just that he's someone to fill in and give us all and I think, give the fans I think someone it, to... I think it's harsh and I personally... Admit I've given him stick, and a lot of people have given him stick. But well, he's been—he yeah. has been useful for United in certain situations. But you're not building a team around him. No, I get. Um, I think all of us will admit that we rolled our eyes when he got this new contract. Yeah. Because what did what did he do to? The, but he did progress a lot in the last six months. But then is that because he's a good player? Or is that just because the quality of the team was so bad? It was and he comes across as someone who will listen to instruction, take it on board, and do exactly what the manager wants. Whereas, which is why Mourinho loved him. Yeah, whereas you can see other players, if they don't agree with it or they think the team should be doing different, instead of just giving it a go because this is what the manager wants, they'll do what they want and the team's never going to work well if that happens. So he'll remain to be a manager's favourite because he does that. Well, those players always get a bad record, you know, don't they? Like you'll yeah. get Fletcher. Darren Fletcher. Yeah. And you'll who they chanting about when he missed the Champions League final. Yeah. Even Tom Cleverley, you know, unless you're, unless you, if you come through United's academy and you're not world-class then you will get stick. Phil yeah. Neville, Darren Gibson, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Useful squad player. Yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with every team. Like you look at City, you're always going to look at City because they're the benchmark, aren't they? Or Liverpool flags for that matter. Milner, useful yeah. squad player. Uh, Danilo for City. He's not a world beater, but handy. Yeah, and that's the thing. If City didn't have Danilo, they wouldn't win the league, probably. Exactly. It's yeah. these sort of players that Gundogan. do make a difference. He's yeah. not a, a specialist per se, but, you know, that's the sort of player over a 50 odd game season that will come in amid injuries and stuff. So, you know, I think United need the specialist, but they also need to retain your likes of McTominay. Not not to show about Pereira. I won't be too sad to see him go. Um, but I think McTominay's got, got a future at United. Yeah, exactly. Another player who could have a future at United, Charlotte Aaron Wambasaki. United had a bid rejected for him uh, 
well, they confirmed it over the weekend, didn't they? What, what's the latest on Juan Bissaka? Obviously, they want a versatile fullback because yeah. the issue is not only right back where Ashley Young's aging and they've got Diogo De inexperienced, but they've only got cover for Luke Shaw at left back. And with Valencia leaving, there's not many options. I think it's a sensible move from them. And like I was just saying before, they've. Um, They've definitely lacked pace out coming out from the back, haven't they? If if you look, imagine if you've imagine you've got Young on the left and Antonio Valencia on the right. It's not not gonna scare many. No, it's not gonna scare many oppositions, is it? So if you get someone in that's pacey and then you have Daniel James on the right or Rashford or they've got they've got pace in that team. It's just needs to be unleashed. So yeah, from what we know is that a, f- a bit of around 40 million was rejected, but they're expecting to go back with an increased offer. I think Palace want around 60, but maybe there's going to be some negotiation in the, in the middle between the two. How high do you think United should go for Wan-Bissaka, Dan? Because it's one, there's going to become a point where United think, all right, that's enough. We won't go that high. We'll have to look at someone else, an alternative. But can they even afford to do that this summer? Because they need a full back. So why not just go for the first choice one, whatever the cost? Well, the thing with United is uh, everyone knows what they need. Um, there's, there's automatically the price goes up if Man United are after you because, you know, one of the biggest names in England. Um, everyone knows what they're in dire need of, uh, which doesn't help. Uh, and you've got the other thing of, you know, post Neymar, what is 60 million? Five, ten years ago, that's what, you know, 15? Well, ten 20. years ago, 80 million got Ronaldo from United, didn't it? Says it all, doesn't it? So, so you know, it, it, I think we're still, tra- post Neymar, I think we're trying to sort of work out what what sort of, what value is, really. Um, but for someone of his age, with his potential, you know, he's highly thought of, Palace don't want to get rid of him at all. Um, and he fits the mould that Solskjaer's after. Um, you know, he, fixed five million is probably not that big a fee in this day and age. Do you Charlotte think they... Yeah, it's all relative, isn't it? And you're not going to get that sort of player for 30, 40 million anymore because young British player, there's a tax on them anyway. And then... Do you think you've seen enough though from one percent that he's United quality enough? Because one season at Crystal Palace, or the season and a half maybe he's had and playing for a team like that where, where maybe he can shine defensively because there's not going to be too many other defenders who, who are at that level other than Patrick Van Arnholt that you've got to sort of outshine. So... It's a tough one, isn't it? Because until they sign and they come and they're in the United environment and they're trying to, I don't know, fight for the league maybe in three years' time, then you just you just don't know. And that's the problem with these. It's always going to be a risk, isn't it? Yeah, you might, you might be great at a lower league side, but come to someone who's supposed to be competing for the, for the title, things can change, so... Mm. Well, United aren't, are they? And I think no, is, no, and I, I know that. But when I, I was saying it, yeah. I was saying it like supposed to be, as in they're well, always should, should they're be. always yeah. supposed to be. Calm down, calm down. They're always important. supposed to be because they're Manchester United. There's always going to yeah. Solskjaer might come out and say we're not expected to win the league in the next three to four years. Well, they might be saying that in public, but behind closed doors, there's got to be that expectancy that they're Manchester yeah. United and regardless of what the team is, if they're not going to win the title, then what's the point? They've um, got to still yeah. believe they can do it, even if everyone else in the world doesn't think it's possible. I think it'd be dangerous for United to go into next season thinking, right, we're going to turn this around straight away. I think they need to sort of accept the reality and accept Get back it. to Champions League. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's building blocks and it? it's taking steps. I think, you know, next season you've got to think, right, we finished sixth last season, 30 odd points. Yeah, fourth would be an achievement. Fourth would be an achievement. Then, you know, beyond that. Do you think it'll be enough of an achievement, fourth? Because we've seen the last three managers all sacked for failing to get a top four finish. 
What, to keep him in his job? Do you think even next season? But do you think beforehand, though, if Solskjaer wasn't to get fourth? I know you'll say it depends on the cups, maybe, but... But you need to look at the, the rest of the league as well and who they're finishing above because everyone else is going to strengthen and get better. You're not going to finish above City and Liverpool. Unless they implode. Spurs. Spurs is difficult. Chelsea Spurs new manager. Chelsea but no, it's Chelsea and but Arsenal no isn't it yeah. mm. I think fourth next season based on what United the state they're in at the minute would be a huge achievement even if they outspend all their opponents oh definitely because it, like, the scale of the rebuilding job required you know you, you need to sort out the midfield and you sort out the defence you need to you know bring in a striker or hone a striker or hone a system that allows they're not, and they're not going to do that all this summer no. there's no way so that would be a fourth next season with Chelsea Arsenal strengthening uh, Liverpool City and obviously Spurs would be you know you're going to have to knock off what two two of them yeah so I, I think United fans would be happy with that and it, it sounds pretty average doesn't it for it being happy with yeah. finishing fourth but that's where United are these days and I think there's you know I think supporters as much as anyone need to sort of accept where they're at where United are at the minute because otherwise there's going to be you know hysteria I think they do the... and I don't think if you ask any United fan do they legitimately think they can win the league next season that anyone's going to say yes but going into pre-season they might have the 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 benchmark of this is what we want we want to finish fourth but if they're not going in there in the mindset to try and win the league they've lost it already like they need to think they need to have the belief inside themselves that they can go out there and challenge City and Liverpool or what's the point yeah especially whatever them to slip up and United aren't yeah. fully focused on, on taking the challenge but as you said it's not only just about recruiting players it's going to be about keeping certain ones at the club as well I've already mentioned Pogba and United obviously in no rush to sell him but Dan what's the latest on David De Gea still not signed a contract out of out of contract next summer so into his mm. final year Dean Henderson hot prospect but looking like he's going to leave on loan again so I think De Gea is, I think he knows himself that over the past year 18 months he's been off his game he's been making mistakes on a regular basis uh, for Spain as much as United he's lost uh, his place in the Spain squad now his, he? exactly yeah now Kepa is in front of him so I think he's been using the start of the season rather than thinking about his future I think he's been you know reflecting on himself and where I think he's been trying to sort of identify where his drop-off in form or his drop-off in confidence has come from because it's a big deal, isn't it? It's a big deal for someone of his ability, uh, if he's consistently won four, four out of five players of the year at United. Um, so I think, you know, having such a drop-off in form, over the, especially the last two or three months of the season, you look at Barcelona, Arsenal, Chelsea, that's not the, the sort of thing you can shake off, is it? So I think rather than thinking about his future, he's been looking at himself and identifying where things have been going wrong before he goes on to think, right, I've got a year left of my deal. I can either go to PSG now because PSG obviously wants him or you can stay at United. And I think another important thing with De Gea is that uh, he doesn't know anything else professionally, really. Um, he's held in a very high regard by United supporters, um, but he isn't in Spain whatsoever. He's not got the same sort of love, if you like, from in, in his home country like he does here so he's not going to get a move to Spain unlikely because you know you look Barcelona they've got a goalie um, Real Madrid's but Courtois last, last year didn't they Atletico have got Oblak where's he going to go there is he going to go to PSG because if you go to PSG alright you'll get the pay packet but you're playing five six big games a year tops so you know you can't count your teammates to not bottle them anyway can you oh, so exactly exactly so it'll be an interesting one it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a I think you know this this is make or break in his sort of 
career, isn't it? This is sort of, it feels to me like this is a bit of a fork in the road with his career. Yeah, because he's maybe even more so than in 2015. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where where he goes because he is world class. But if you look at his actual sort of trophy haul and what he's achieved, it's not a fast there. No, is it? it's not yeah. not anything really. Other than one Premier League title, is it? And yeah, and that, that's another thing. <laughs> if, he's, if he does stay at United, then he's not winning the Champions League next season. Yeah. Probably won't the season after. So you know, and before you know it, you're 30. Yeah, uh, still well, it's all downhill from there. Yeah, still, yeah. Still, 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 <laughs> still, going, still going for a goalkeeper, um, but yeah, he definitely wants to win the Champions League, and he won't be getting on Love Island, though, will he? Thirty years old, oh. well past it. Where's his best chance of doing so? <laughs> not coming to his mind. Yeah, Charlotte. In terms of David Zahaya, what's your view on him? Because do you think he's a player that is irreplaceable anymore, United or not? Because his end of the season seems to have maybe made lots of fans forget just how good he is and how many times he did bail them out in the previous season. Anyway, think about that game against Spurs. That's the obvious one. He's still a top class goalkeeper. He might just not be the top goal class goalkeeper anymore. But for United, we've already said they need to sort out defence midfield striker. No, they, Last can't, they, they just can't afford well, they're not gonna let him leave this summer anyway. De Gea. De Gea. The club, from what I, from what I've heard, would not are not keen to would rather him leave on a contract's up next summer, isn't it? Let him leave on a free. She seems not so sure. I know. Well, Dan's yeah. got it from the other side, so well, and he's not <laughs> not, not communicating. Um, but this was the problem: is that they've got the players that they would happily get rid of and want to get rid of, like Rojo and Darmian. Then you've got Herrera and Valencia who've already left, and then you've got Pogba, Lukaku, De Gea. De Gea That's a spy big, in your team. Big name players that are, that are being linked with the exit, and the, like the understanding is, if Inter came in with a big bid big enough for Lukaku they sell him fine a lot of United fans don't like him and he might not fit in with Solskjaer's philosophy in the way Solskjaer wants the team to play the problem is are United then going to get a replacement in because Lukaku had the best goals per minute ratio of any of the five forwards in the United team so fine get rid of him because you don't like him and you don't like the style of football that he represents but who are you bringing in and if they've not got someone that they're confident that they can bring in that's going to score the goals next season yeah you could put Rashford through the middle and hope that he's going to double his goal tally but that's that's risky strategy as well so you've got these players that are being linked with the exit but unless there's a solid plan in place to replace them as well as bringing in the extra people they already need then he's going to have to keep hold of them there you go you can't let Lukaku go without bringing someone else yeah. in can you because no. I, think I personally don't see why they no want way. to get rid of Lukaku this summer but I think he's clunky um, yeah. that's the one thing I would worry about I think you see both he's sides not, of the argument and he's not you? quick he, 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 he gets quick going. when he gets going yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. that not, turn of pace yeah. he's, he's scored he's got records Burst. decent I think he's scored yeah. 40 odd in 90 odd games for you it's ridiculous yeah. you know uh, if you look at that over two years what's that 20, 20 goals a season so you're going to have to bring those in if you let him go yeah. And, and that's the goal season strikers, you know, not particularly easy to come across. Yeah, exactly. And that's on top of the the centre back, mm. the midfielder, the right winger, the yeah. and they they're in the market for a striker even if Lukaku doesn't leave and the right deal comes up for someone. So then if Lukaku does leave, that's are they wanting to bring in two strikers? There's just no way that they're gonna manage to bring in all those players. Bear in mind Solskjaer wants them all in before United fly off on pre season tour, so the clock's ticking and all they've signed so far is and all they've done so far is agreement in principle for Daniel James so it's a lot yeah they need to hurry up it's definitely not a priority this season I think sorting out this striking situation you think you've got to start at the back haven't you and I think all all the rumours that you see are all about defenders aren't they so you'd hope that Solskjaer from that is sorting out his defence maybe 
you know, so our half is defence this summer. So all the rest of the defence in January, then move on to midfield the next season, then move on to it's you know it's a three or four year rebuilding job, isn't it? Yeah. To, to and you got financial fair play to to stay in line with. While be. Sanchez is sat on God knows how much a week. Yeah, and like I said, before you can even think about bringing in maybe a market strike or whatever, you've got to get rid of some of the wage or the club. But one thing for sure, it's going to be a busy summer ahead. We're going to be very busy. Some of us are going to be jetting off to France, living the high life. You looking yep. forward to it, Charlotte? Can't wait. Have you all been watching the Women's World Cup? <laughs> Not no, even touched on it in this but podcast? But I was work. It started on Friday night. Out Friday night, working Saturday. England played on Sunday. Sunday. Well, I'm Welsh, so... Oh, unfortunately if we were the qualifier we didn't make it yeah because we lost to England in qualifying I do know my stuff sometimes but yeah no I've not really watched it have you yeah Dan I watched on Sunday did yes getting very excited about it as well Mm -hmm. there is United interest as well if any Greenwood yeah started for England on Sunday and their new Dutch signing oh yeah she's always supported United doesn't she as a kid yeah and she could be playing well I don't know when this podcast is going to go out so she could have played or not played on Tuesday so but it's something to watch (laughs) something to watch there's your quote stick that on the poster (laughs) the Women's World Cup it's something to watch no for the people who've never watched it yeah it's a good really good way to get into it it's a really good way for everyone to get into it and I think in a way as well if you've not watched the Women's World Cup before or watched women's football it's good to be able to watch a major tournament and not really know who the the best team is the TV audiences tell you a story don't they yeah exactly and you go into it if you you go into a match and don't actually know who the favourites are whatever that makes it a much more interesting spectacle you don't know what to expect and you don't know what's what's going to happen and I guess your opinions aren't preformed by oh that's poor Pogba she's the most high paid player so we've got to try be, have an anti-agenda against yeah. it or whatever but well we will have coverage on the MEM website we do we've already got our coverage flying out there next yeah. week we do have all the coverage as well every day from the Women's World Cup and Charlotte you'll be out there next week yeah. I'm sure our fans will be looking forward to that Dan maybe you'll be back next week on the podcast who knows it could be hat-trick. the hat-trick steady on we shall wait and see thank you very much for listening to today's Love Island podcast from the Manchester Evening News please do make sure to subscribe and leave a like if you aren't already and please do join us again next week when we'll, we'll try to talk about some football see you next time